But we've been talking about the seven letters to the seven churches that John the Baptist wrote to Asia Minor, the churches that were scattered about. And the last one we've, we completed this past Wednesday night was the church of Laodicea. I personally, and you know we had a skip week in there, but I personally do not believe for one minute that we are hearing about and we just discussed together the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church, on the same week uh, that we're entering uh, an important election, that there's so much anticipation, not just about the outcome and the results, but all of the ramifications that will take place from now and the upcoming months and years. I don't think it's coincidence. I, as a believer, I don't believe in that word. I can't believe in that word. I know that God knows every second of every calendar day that we face and we will face, and I don't think it's, it's ironic. I also don't think that it's just ironic that we are going to talk about today what I said Wednesday night, and that's one of the nine spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in the 12th chapter of Corinthians. And before I get to that, I want to tell you that in light of everything that's unfolding and is going to unfold, and, and can I just go ahead and say this? This is the calm before the storm for the world. For the believer, it should not affect you. Because if you're walking in the Word of God and your mind is fixed on Jesus Christ, then it's just another day that I mark off that I'm closer to going home to be with Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you this. The entire world and the lukewarm church ought to be very concerned about what we are facing in the next few days, weeks, and months because... It's only going to increase, and this is probably not a good way for me to go into this message today in a lot of people's mind, but I cannot beat around the bush today and make, make you think, well, you know, we're just all going to be good citizens, and we are going to be good citizens, but we're going to be vigilant soldiers, and that's what your mind needs to be thinking like right now. You don't need to look at yourself and your fleshly schedule the things that you do, the things that you have, the things you're responsible for. You need to realize, folks, and I'm like a spiritual drill sergeant today. I, I, I'm, like, I'm like the one that, you know, I'm getting in shape, got to get even more so in shape, and all the sheep, all the warriors, has to understand what the battlefield looks like. You can ask any general throughout history. They never, ever released a platoon or a squadron before they at least give them some kind of overview of what the enemy looked like, what the battlefield could possibly turn into, and what it would be. And so that's what God's doing today, and I don't think he's doing it just at multitudes. I think he's doing it wherever everybody understands. And so speaking of that, you know, I've, I've met a lot of uh, soldiers in my life. In fact, when I was in the 12th grade, me and a guy named Jeff, we're going in on what the military tells you is the buddy system. That's until you enlist and you actually are their property then. We were going into the Marines, and I and said this not long ago, but right at the last minute, the Lord, he just hit me in the head and said, nope, we're going to have to go and I've got to send you to another boot camp. And he sent me to Bible college where I very spiritually wasted the first two and a half years drinking milkshakes and playing around and wasting tuition money. And then I realized God really did send me there and he really did expect me to go there for a divine reason. And, and if I had went into the military, I, I probably would know what I'm about to tell you right now. But many of the men and some women that I know that have served throughout time and veterans, I've never met one, not one, today that's out and retired or whatever. And not one of them has ever come to me and said, you know what, man, I, I'd just give anything to be sleep deprived and get up at 3 a.m. and 
go run 10 miles with an 80-pound back. I, 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 just, I, I just give anything to do that. I miss that so much. I've never met one that said, oh, I'm having withdrawals from doing that. Not one. But I can tell you of a list that I have no accurate number of, of men and women, people that have endured that, graduated, gone on to fulfill certain and special missions that'll tell you if I had not have gone through training, that rigorous training, I would probably not have survived 24 hours on the mission on the battlefield, and, and, and I certainly wouldn't have been in any kind of shape. And so it took a lot, and I believe this is what the Lord is doing to the church right now. I think the Lord's saying, hey, I'm getting the bride ready because the bridegroom has been yelling it out since March. I'm coming back. You need to wake up. You need to get ready because I'm coming back. And I'm going to catch my bride away. And we know the 50% rate there. Only half of them, all of them slept. But 50% of them, five of them got ready, trimmed their lamps, filled them up with oil, and they waited. And then the other foolish ones came along. Well, let, let us ride on your coat. And I hope everybody knows, am I going in and out by chance? I don't know what that is, but uh, it doesn't matter. I have a backup, and I will back up if I have to. But right now, in fact, let me get it ready just in case so you all know. So that's always an indicator to me. Somebody else is upset about the service today. So if you're already tender about anything I've said, Satan has already beat you to it, and he's playing with stuff. So... I, 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 I want to let you know God's getting us ready. And the 50% rate is something that I, I just believe this is where we are right now. And I, I did, I didn't know if I would remember this or not, but I told, and, and, and people that are not here will, will probably get offended, and I'm, I'm not aiming at anybody. I'm just, I'm speaking for the whole entire body of Christ, not our local church. But... The more I read that scripture and I study few there be that, that get in, the more that I can see, you know, the amount of people that are registered in here and pretty much come off and on since August the 30th and the amount of staff that get here at 8.45 and 9.15 to come together and pray, if you took both of those groups and put those together, the people that register and come, you all, and, and that group of people, it would probably equal, and this is where people will get upset, it would probably equal about half of what our normal congregation looked like prior to COVID. Now, I, I don't mean that, about, and, and I'll go on to say this, that I believe that, that we are living in a day where People are ignoring the signs. They believe everything. They're, they're told by secular mouths, people that are slapped full of the devil, but they will not believe what God said, that you need to get your house in order. You need to trim your lamps. You, you, you need to make your calling and election sure. You need to look around you at the signs. They're in the sky. They're appearing everywhere in old song. And people are just ignoring this. And I think that 50% rate, ratio, I believe it's across the entire body of Christ. So that's why I think we talked about, lastly, the church of Laodicea had not even planned or put it into a calendar to see where it would fall. And this reminds me of a devotion I want to share with you quickly. It came out of one, you know, in the mornings I'll always read my Bible and I'll read a devotion or two and usually it's my Billy Graham hope for the day book and I'd go through it every year. But this one, this one stuck out in my mind. It says, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And that is Jesus quoting uh, or being quoted in Luke 14, 33. When the Standard Oil Company was looking for a representative in the Far East years ago, they approached a missionary and offered him $10,000. He turned down the offer. They raised it to $25,000. He turned it down again. They raised it to $50,000, and he rejected it once more. They came to him and said, what's wrong? 
Your price is all right, he said, but your job is too small. Did y'all hear what I just said? The money was right. Money was way, way right. Ten would have been great back then. I mean, ten would have been phenomenal. But it went from ten to twenty-five to fifty, and it wasn't about the money. But the call to serve God in that capacity, nothing else on the planet compared or was worth that much value. And so that's what we're going to spend just a few minutes on talking about being prepared and also being aware of the times. Now, we don't have a lot of people here, but I can already tell you without me making eye contact, we got some floating going on. Do y'all know what I mean when I say floating? See, I can't see people through the camera, but I can see in here because there's plenty of space. And I'm going to preach the same way, whether you're floating or not. But let me tell you what's happening. When you float, you look at your phone, you tell secrets, you read something else, you do, you're preoccupied looking at the scenery or, or wondering if my microphone's going to last. Anything other than that, what's really happening behind the scenes the Bible says that Satan is a thief, and he comes along while the seed's going forward. He pulls it right back up. Pulls it right back up so that when you leave here, all you did was come to church because that don't bother him, but you walk out of here with a sharp sword. You walk out of here knowing how to walk and talk and rebuke him and live above all his tricks. Oh, he's had a bad day. So I just want to tell you, you need to hone it in because you're getting robbed blind and you don't even realize it. He won't bother you if you're walking in the liquor store. I hope nobody's walking in the liquor store, by the way. Or if, or if you're looking for a video to rent, that's old school, when you used to rent video. But you get the picture, though. He won't bother you during all those times. But right now, this is critical. So on Wednesday night, we finished up. And I told you that we were going to look at these nine gifts. So let me tell you about the nine gifts and the one that we're actually going to talk about. So if you have your Bible or you can follow along on the screen, but you, we want to go to Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and we're only going to read about four or five verses here. All right? And this is Paul. While you're getting that, I want to let you know that you can keep notes through the, the Multitudes Church app and it will keep it and save it on this date and this sermon title and you can refer back to that. So Paul is, is using the body, human body, to relate to the spiritual body and the gifts that God has. And I want to preface this before I get through and even before I read this. I want everybody online and everybody live to hear this statement right here. Every one of the gifts that we will read, all nine of them, are still active and alive. In fact, I'm going to paraphrase what Paul said. Not one is any more important than the other. He said they are, they're all in operation. God, the same God, distributes every one of them. And they're all of benefit. And every single one of these gifts are related to, and he makes an association to, to the human body. In other words, you can't say, well, you know, the first hundred years after the church was born at Pentecost, uh, we no longer need our feet anymore. But that's what a lot of pe people preach. And they say when the last disciple died out, the feet died out, or tongues, or healing, or prophecy. They'll name them a gift, but a lot of people are just so intimidated by the Spirit, they'll, they'll throw, a, they'll throw uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues. But I want to tell you this, we're talking about one of nine today, but all of them are alive and will be alive until the church is raptured away. Amen. But, number seven, verse seven says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another 
different kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. And verse 11 simply says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so hear me quick. We're not going to talk about all nine. We're talking about the gift of discernment. Why are we talking about the gift of discernment? All of these gifts are important, as I said, but I'm telling you folks right now that we are in dire need of people that really claim to be Christians to operate and know what it means to have the gift of discernment. If you cannot differentiate between the voice of God and the voice of this world, Satan, if you, if you have a hard time knowing if that's on the up and up or they're legit or not, that's all the more reason why you need to say, God, and we're going to look at how to do this in a minute. How, how do we approach God? How do we talk to God about it? We're going to look at it. But I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is so important. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then Jesus said in the 24th chapter of Matthew, He said, For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And folks, I want to tell you, that is happening at a rate. And let me tell you, it's not all, there are many false prophets preaching today, or, or speaking, I should say, behind pulpits. But they're not all behind pulpits. There are many false prophets and there are people that are uh, influencing people in a spiritual way that's in the entertainment industry, that's in the sporting industry, that's in the educational arena, that's in the business arena, that's, that's in uh, all of the arenas you could think of in this world that the God of this world has control over. He has a voice that is speaking and many people are being deceived everywhere and they don't even know it. You know, when I was growing up, we used to think the only people that were deceived are people that wasn't following Christ were people that practiced black magic or witchcraft or they dressed in black and had black eyes all the time. And that's not the case. The Bible says that Satan himself comes and appears as an angel of light. There's been so much deception, and I'm not, throw, I'm not taking away from the virus. I think everybody knows in here how serious we take it. We didn't have church last week because we take it serious. We take you serious. I told you that I didn't think anybody at all would have even got a sniffle if they would have came into this church, but I know how the dogs are in the world, amen? Somebody would have come, and they would have huddled up, with a group of 50 people in a room the size of our bathroom, but they would have swore they got the d disease or the virus at church. I know how people are. I know how my people are. Amen. I do. I know how they are. And so the Bible tells us that there, is, there has been all kind of false prophets, all kind of things, and if you don't know how to discern between these things, the Bible says you'll, be, you'll believe a lie and you'll be damned. You'll believe a lie and be damned. I want to tell you a little bit about how we can get our hands on because when people preach stuff like this, the gift of discernment, the closest thing we can relate to is a birthday gift or a Christmas gift or something like that. And while you're turning to 1 Kings chapter 3, let me tell you just to think along those lines because the fact of the matter is that all good gifts comes from the Father above. The Lord tells us that. Every gift we know of, it comes from the Father above. And so God, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, as a matter of fact, we're going to go to verse 5, but Jesus said this. He told the disciples and those around, He said, it's expedient, it's urgent, it's important to you that I go away. He said, because if I don't go away, then the Comforter won't come, the Holy Spirit. And he also referred to him as a guide. Does any of you remember reading? He, he will guide you into all truths. How does he guide people through truths? Through discernment and through the Word and all that. And so the Lord 
is the one that gives us, just like some of you, like we're gifting these children all over the earth with these shoe boxes. Somebody had to buy the gift. Somebody had to make it available and possible. And praise be to God, he did that through Jesus Christ at Calvary and through an empty grave and through the Spirit descending and coming down here on this earth so that people could experience God and every gift that he has. So, let's go back to the Old Testament and let's read about this man that everybody knows about even in the world. His name is Solomon. The Bible says, and we're going to have to just pick a few things that he said. The Bible says that at Gibeon in verse 5, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And he actually came to him at night. And can I just say a lot of times when you have dreams at night and they have some kind of spiritual symbolics and you don't even know if it was a dream or if it was the Lord, I, I just want to tell you, and a lot of people read way in, way too much into that, and I know that and I've heard that many times from many people. But a lot of times God deals with people when they're asleep. You know why? Because you won't move, you won't be distracted, you won't fuss back with him. He'll just drop it to you and then you got to deal with it. Any other time we want to argue, well, let me see if God needs me to throw a fleece out here. Let me run this by two or three sisters or brothers. Or let me ask the preacher what he thinks about it. No, God will just drop it in you while you're sleeping and you wake up. You say, man, I had the weirdest dream in the world last night. But it wasn't a weird dream. God was dealing with you. And so this is what he did. At night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and he said, ask. I love this. God told Solomon to ask. We're professionals at going to God and asking, amen? I love it when God says, ask. Ask me, ask me, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son talking about himself, to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. See, that's a sign of humility right there. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore... Give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern. Did you hear me? That I may discern. This is what he asked God for. That I may discern with an understanding heart between good and evil. Folks, you need to know how to discern about right now on my watch. But even more than my watch, on the watch of Almighty God, you really know how to need to need to know how to discern, rather, between good and evil. And so, for who is able, he said to the Lord, to judge uh, this great people of yours? The Bible says that the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Now, Solomon asked this thing, and God gave it to him. And so he was sitting on his throne, after God had granted his request, oh, by the way, because he didn't ask for what we do, money and power and fame and influence, God loaded him down with all that. And so God had blessed him with the gift of discernment and understanding. And while he was on the throne one day, the Bible says that there were two harlots that lived in a house together. It was probably a house where a bunch of harlots lived, but there was only two in there at the time. And they were both alone at this particular time in history. And both of them gave birth to a male child days apart from one another. Well, during the night, one night, one of the ladies realized that she had rolled over on her infant child and suffocated the baby. 
And she took the child and she went and switched it with the lady who had the other living child. And in the morning when she got up, she said, oh my goodness alive, my child is dead. But then she, she checked the child out and she looked at him and said, this is not my baby at all. So they went before King Solomon. And they begin to tell the story, and she's told the story about how the switch was made. And then the other woman said, no, king, but my child is the living child, and hers is the child that died, and she switched. And so Solomon says, so you're saying this, and you're saying this. So Solomon, the king, turns to one of his servants and says, bring me a sword. And so he goes... And he gets Solomon a sword. I'm talking about discerning, folks. See, when God gives you the spirit of discernment, listen, I don't care the smartest, arrogant joker in the world cannot get around discernment. Did everybody hear me? Because we live in a puffed-up society. Very puffed-up. Pride, I'm talking about inside the body of Christ, behind pulpits. There is some people that are so full of themselves. He said, bring me the sword and, and take the child and cut the child in half. Give one half of the living child to this mother and one to the other. And about that time, the mother whose child that it really belonged to said, but oh, no, wait, 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 wait. And she begged, don't do that. Do not harm the child, but give her the child. I don't want my child to die. And so Solomon says, that is the true mother of the, of the child. And they took and they gave the living child to the mother. In church, he didn't do it because he was wealthy or he just had a lot of good dealings in public matters. He was able to do that because he had a discerning heart. He wanted that more than he wanted money. He wanted that more than he wanted people to tell him that he was all right. He was a great guy in the community. He wanted that more than he did to make a big name for himself. He knew that he was nothing in the sight of God, and he knew God's people were great, and there was no way with all of his money and wealth and even David being his father, he would be able to handle the people of God and do right by God. So he says, God, listen, if you'll just help me to do my job, and that's what God is telling me to me personally and for me to share with all of us is that, God, I need help in doing my last day's job on this earth because times are evil. There are people that lie about things like that. There are people that lie about all kind of things. And what I'm about to say, a lot of people are going to say, this is a political statement, but it's not a political statement. I'm going to say this. Tuesday, millions of people, Christian people, mind you, they will go to voting booths all over America, all over America. And they will go and cast ballots and they will walk into that precinct wherever they are with zero discernment. They pastor churches. They teach Sunday school classes. They're regular tithers. They are business people. They are elders in their church. They're worship pastors. They're musicians. They're singers. They fit the bill of everything and anything that looks like Christianity. But they walk void and naked of a discerning heart and they will go in not to divide one baby but 60 two million more people just because they want their team to win just because that's the way it is and let me tell you what God said in Proverbs chapter 6 he said there's six things that the Lord hates seven is an abomination one of them is lying by the way but those hands that shed innocent blood now I'm going to tell you and I stand by what the Lord gave me the other night. It's only going to happen the way God has mapped it out for such a time as this. You can say all you want to. You can talk to experts. And I'm telling you that I've pastored uh, or, or been in full-time ministry for now 
30 years. And I know that when it comes to what's about to boil down Tuesday, that there are people, that they're the greatest Christians in the world until it comes between being a Democrat or being a Republican. And then all of a sudden in some kind of warped, whacked up way, that takes preeminence over God. People don't say it with their mouth, but they say it with their actions. And people are passionate about the things of this world that's no good to God and they're going to die one day, and God's in control of everything. But people swear by it, they live by it, and, and they will be loyal to their party more than they'll ever care about discerning between right and wrong. And I knew that would go over absolutely as great as it went over. Because people think, well, you shouldn't mix church with state. I'm not, mixing church. I'm not mixing church with state. I'm mixing the Bible with where we are in the world right now. God's the one that said this. This ain't got nothing to do with that carnal mess. I'm not a part of it. It's not my kingdom. When I embrace the cross, I walked away from this foolishness. That's why when I did vote, I'm unaffiliated. I can't be a Republican. I can't be an independent. God knows I can't be a Democrat because the Bible says a house divided will not stand and God's not the author of confusion. And if they were all right, if Republicans would write, it would be 100% on every vote every time throughout history, but it ain't that way. People jump from one party to the next. They go back and forth. People get on soapboxes and platforms, yada, yada, yada. So I can't be connected to that. I wouldn't be connected to this church if it was full of the devil on its way to hell. I'd go somewhere where a little more righteous. I really would. The Bible says you got to come out from among them. And this is the part where people want to quote to me about being a citizen. And this is the part where if I would give you the time of day talking about this, which I ain't won't do it, I would tell you, oh, I am a citizen. I'm doing my duty as a citizen, as a citizen of heaven. I'm no longer part of this world. You can have all the donkeys and the elephants when the trumpet sounds. And you see what they do for you when they impregnate you with that vaccine that's got the chip in it that's going to keep up with you and tell you what you're going to do or they rewrite your DNA and you turn into what they want you to. And I know that's taboo because the church, our church and every other church in the world has been programmed since March and people don't realize and when people like me have enough God about them to say it, people look at you like you've been drinking Jack Daniels for four hours before you stood behind the pulpit. But I got news to, for you. I'm telling you what God is saying. You can live off of this truth that the world is defined if you want to, but it will leave you high and dry, brothers and sisters, and you can't swallow this stuff. If you do, it's, it's going to become who you are and what you are, and that will determine what you do. You know, and I've often wondered, while I'm talking about abortion and everything else that people are just so patriotic over. Um, you know, I wondered this week, I was hearing something about the Battle of Armageddon, and that's going to be over in the Valley of Megiddo where the Bible says during that time there's going to be so much bloodshed that the blood in that valley where this war will be fought, the blood will be so deep it will rise up to the horse's bridle. That's from human blood, not from animals. You know what I've wondered? We are over 60 million in to, to murdering unborn babies. I wonder if God knew, and way back then, he knows how much ounce for ounce all the people that's been responsible for spilling blood since uh, Margaret Sanger, Sangster or Sanger, whatever her name is, and Planned Parenthood and all these others, and Roe versus Wade and all this other trash that was from hell that came up and done all it's done. I wonder if God has a number of the amount of blood, gallon-wise, that is, when it rises up from the Armageddon, the Armageddon battle, 
to how much probably equal that that is of baby's blood that's been spilled on this ground. And it's like, I wonder if God says, well, you spilt the blood of my baby, so I'm going to let you see how it feels for your own blood to be spilled and how much it amounts to. Because there ain't many people you know, there ain't many people in here going to heaven. I'll just cut right to it. There ain't many people going to heaven, watching this thing, uh, this, this program, this, some of you might call it a show, this service, whatever. Not many people are going to heaven. Unless you get where you can hear God, you can discern, and you divorce your life. I read you that devotion out of Luke. Whoever does not take all that he has and get rid of it. Jesus said, you can't be my disciple. You can let some TV preacher or somebody water this stuff down for you if you want to. But I'm telling you the truth, folks. We live in a country that they want vile trash to dictate and parade in every area of your life while at the same time, They'll call on God and want God when we get in a bad way. It's all of a sudden all right to pray. You know, I was going to do this about a week ago. Now I'm about through. Don't worry. We're almost there. But when we went to go early vote a week or two ago, whenever it was, um, I saw something that I'd heard about, and it struck a chord in me. Because I know how hypocritical the lukewarm church is, and I know how hypocritical this entire nation is. And while we were waiting in line, um, there was a sign of the hours on the door. In fact, you can see it. And I said, this hypocrite country, this hypocrite county, this hypocrite whole thing we call the election process. I said, the same God that we call on to heal our land. I don't know the millions of times Second Chronicles 7.14 has probably been prayed and quoted since COVID-19 started. But I can promise you it's probably up in the millions. And we, out of one side of our mouth as a country, we say, God, will you heal our land? We don't even want to humble ourselves and pray and, and seek his faith. We just want God to heal our land so we can go back to living like the devil. We will say out of one side of our mouth, God, heal our land. I mean all the jokers in Washington and everybody will come together when it's 9-11 or something like that. And then out of the other side of our mouth, we'll say, oh, by the way, God, uh, don't care about your Ten Commandments on Sunday. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Uh, holy. Uh, We're going to make it possible for people that would go to church to miss church and vote. Do you, do y'all, does anybody, I feel like I'm by myself in Utah right now. Are y'all hearing anything I'm saying today? Praise God you are. But I'm telling you, we contradict ourselves all the time. We want God to do this. And you know what will happen? If I would allow it to happen, somebody will come up to me and give me some kind of carnal, yellow belly, spine, spineless excuse for why that was done. And I won't give you, I won't give people time. See what this has done? After I snapped out of it, the, the, the hypnosis that came over me and y'all and everybody else across the world since the middle of March, when I snapped out of it, and uh, realize that I really am a citizen of this book, and this is what it's going to look like. It's like the Lord said, you better get ready for war, or you're going to be called in the middle of it with the rest of them. So that's what's happening, you see. There's going to be a great falling away. I believe it's already started happening a lot. There's going to be a great delusion where a lot of people will believe a lie, and there are more lies to come. As long as there's a capital in Washington... And there's a Senate and a Congress and a House. There will always be a fresh batch of lies baked every day. Because men love power, they love money, and they love control. And the devil tells them how to get that. So, in closing, because I promised you we would close, I want to look at one more young teenager. 
we might have a teenager or two in here, somebody college age or somebody college or teenage age watching. And I just want to give you some hope. In the 41st chapter of Genesis, the Bible says this, that the Lord God, you don't have it on the screen, I just want, I didn't want it on the screen, that Pharaoh approached Joseph and after Joseph had went through all the things he went through, he said, Pharaoh, and I quote, Pharaoh says, Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this that would happen when the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine, hallelujah, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are in the whole earth on the planet. Nobody. Now, he started out as a betrayed. Now, somebody in this room can identify with where I'm going. He started out as a betrayed teenager by his own brothers. His parents did not even believe him when he said, I had a dream that people, y'all were bowing down before me. And they told him, you need to quit that foolish stuff. And then he was sold by his brothers into slavery. Then he was lied about to his master by his master's wife. And then he was lied to again when he was thrown in prison. And yeah, I'll remember it when he interpreted two, uh, two more dreams. Then he had to stay two years after he was promised that, oh, I'm going to let him know that you told me about the dream. He went through all these steps before he got to the place. But you see, he was faithful. I'm going back to something I, I started with. He was faithful his entire life, even as a young lad. He never wavered from what God had told him and what God had showed him. And through all of that, God kept him with a discerning heart and a discerning spirit. So I want to tell you this about the two men. You know, everybody in the Bible, before I tell you, there's people in the Bible that if you read your Bible, you will see that was full of the Spirit of God that had a discerning spirit, a discerning heart. Do y'all remember when the husband and wife lied after the, uh, the Holy Ghost had fell and the church was born the day of Pentecost and Ananias and Sapphira had sold the land for so much money? Do y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? Well, when they came and they stood before Peter, one at a time came and they said, the husband did it first. Uh, yeah, we sold it for this much money. You know what happened then? The spirit of discernment rose up in Peter. He said, I quote, you haven't lied to men, but you've lied to God. Nobody come and told him or showed them the bill of sale from the land, but the spirit of God did. That's where you and I need to be living right now, friend. Because it will look like Jesus Christ. I mean, look, we're we about to graduate. We're about to graduate from the coronavirus. It's not going anywhere. But I mean, but phase two is about to kick in. And there needs to be a strong voice in the world that knows God, knows how to discern what God is showing and revealing, and knows how to follow God. You need to know this, church. It doesn't matter what you know about the Bible. It doesn't matter who you know. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have or if you have an education or you never even went to first grade because you were raised and you had to work on the farm and then you had to work in the mill for 50 cents. It doesn't matter about that. What you need to know is that all these gifts come from God and you need to employ these gifts right now and you need to walk by the Spirit and by the Word of God and not by your flesh because your flesh is going to hurt your feelings and it's going to sell you out. So, when we started reading out of the book of 1 Kings a while ago, in fact, can we just stand while I tell you this before we pray? I don't know. Joe, I don't, if y'all could just come... If you could just play something. We didn't talk about anything this morning, but I feel like we need to 
get our hearts prepared right now because this is decision time right now. So, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Kings, when we first begin to read this, in verse 4, what y'all didn't hear because I didn't share it, what was before he got in this conversation, this is what took place. The Bible says he sacrificed a thousand of his livestock to the Lord. He sacrificed. Something that was of value in probably his eyes, but it certainly was valuable in the world's eyes. Man, what are you, a thousand? Why can't you just give him ten? I mean, you see, that's what we've got to do. We, we've got to do some decision-making. Because to be a soldier, to be a warrior, to be a discerner of what's happening around you. Right? See, it's not good enough just to say, I go to church and read my Bible now. You've got, as many are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. The Bible says that. So we've got to make a decision. Do we have a leave-all mentality? Or do we still have to just clutch some part of this life, including politics? Because I'm going to tell you right now, from now to Tuesday night, there's going to be people that sat in churches everywhere. But they're going to be on, I mean, blue and red. They're going to be so passionate. Their blood is going to boil one way or another. Because you got wheat and tares, amen? They're going to grow together. And wheat and tares are red and blue. I'm sorry. You need to get your mind off of this that every Republican is full of the Holy Ghost and they do everything according to the Bible because there are as many filthy dogs among the Republican Party as there is the Democrat Party. That don't go over well. don't go over well, but it's because I talked about somebody's God, you see. And I know you have to vote as close as you can to the Bible. When I addressed that the other day, because you don't want blood on your hand of any kind. But you've got to understand this, church. You can't get out of that world of politics, of, of this world's way of thinking. You cannot get out of it because parts of it affect you. You are passionate about parts of it. Until you get to a place where God's allowed you to discern, to, to see what's happening and what's about to happen. So, I want us to pray today. And I'm almost at the point where I don't care if somebody wants to come and stand over there and stand over there. You know, can I just get, can I get this off my chest? I don't know if this is spiritual or not. But I, I'm going to say it though. If you feel led to come to the altar, there's enough room to stand apart. But I will say this, and I won't, I won't back down from this. If you want to come to the altar, or you don't come to the altar because you want to use the COVID thing, but then I see you neck and neck with other people on Facebook tomorrow, I pray the Holy Ghost convicts you and drops you to your face. I'm tired of the hypocrites that attend this church and every other church across America. Quit playing it. God's going to judge you. You're going to be, hey, look, if I'm on Caleb, God is going to judge you, sir, ma'am, y'all. I don't care who's your pastor. I don't care who's your daddy. God's going to judge you. You got to quit letting, see, you, you, you do these things because you can't discern. It's been the perfect alibi for you. But see, be sure your sins will find you out. And there's enough people here, no more than people here, than to spread out and be way more than six feet apart. But this is not, I'm not trying to get you to the altar, but I want you to know 
There is no fear in love. So don't not come to God's altar in God's house because of what this world's done to all of us. God, we come to you this morning. We stand at this altar. We stand at our seats. We kneel at our seats, God. And we just say, Lord, I'm laying my life. I'm laying my thousand sheep before you. I'm coming to you, God. And I'm telling you, I need to be gifted. I, 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 you ha I don't want money, God. I don't. I don't want stuff. I don't want another position. Lord, I need you to fill me with the Spirit so I can walk in the Spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus, oh God, that every person that's here, that's watching, God, people that are trying to figure out what they need to do, Lord, even people that are upset because I talked about Democrats or Republicans or abortion or lying. God, that's a sure sign that people are not where they need to be with you. They're not where they need to be with you, Lord. So I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that we would grow up, we would realize this is not our home, this is not our world. Father, we need to let go of it. God, we need to just say, here I am, Lord. And I need you to lead me in paths of righteousness. Hallelujah. If you're not a believer, the Lord wants to save you. Hallelujah. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner. If you're watching this online, you just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I repent. I've been lying. I've been deceitful. I've been more in love with this world than that world, your world. I, I really hadn't prayed thy kingdom come and thy will be done because I like this kingdom and this is what I want done. Forgive me, Jesus. And then when you pray that prayer, you have all rights and privileges to sing this song because you'll be living in this song. In fact, I just want all of us to sing it together one time before we go home. When you're asked to be filled with the Spirit, this is what happens right here in the presence. before they give the election results on Tuesday. 
I don't see any reason at all. Now, if that upsets you because you at least want to know who won, you ain't, you ain't ready to go. You just, I'm just telling you, redneck Bible, you ain't ready to go. You just ain't ready. See, there has to come a separation from, from this world and this kingdom where you actually... I was thinking about old Abraham. Abraham didn't give not one animal to the Lord. He hadn't paid a tithe. He hadn't quoted any kind of scripture to anybody. The Bible says when God spoke to him, he just simply believed. That was it. That's all he did. He, he just believed God. The Bible says, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So I'm telling all of us today that if we leave here and we're hungry for the Spirit of God to be working in our lives in a discerning way, in a way we've never imagined before, you know what? You're going to be able to help. If the Lord don't come back, listen, you're going to be able to help a, a bunch of suffering souls on Tuesday. Because they're probably going to be some whiners that are blue or either whiners that are red. Hey, man, they might even be whiners anyway because they didn't win whatever. Whoever wins doesn't win by the margin they thought they should. But people aren't ready for Jesus, you see. And that's all I'm doing every week. I'm just coming in here, doing what the Lord says to do, trying to get the soldiers ready so we can go home, but we can fight. Because what's unfolding before us, we're the only help the world has. Y'all see that? Can you see that out here? It's not the money. It, it, it's not the stimulus package. It, it's not even the virus staying or going away. We're the only hope the world has right now is the church. So we got to be, we can't fall prey to the same thing they're falling prey to. And I want to just ask you to let's pray together again because what I've told you or what the Lord said to all of us today, when you go out here, it's like you're going to be speaking a foreign language to people. You, you, unless you know and you understand this, you, you can't really even comprehend how, how deceived people are. I mean, starting within the church. There's so many preachers that they're going to have to stand up for God. They're wolves in sheep's clothing and they're false prophets. They're, they're telling everybody everything. They're probably giving people voting instructions today. Well, ain't that what you did? No, I quoted the Word of God to you. And if it come across as voting instructions, that's the Holy Ghost talking to you. I ain't said nothing about vote. I don't even know if you vote. I don't even know. But I'm telling you where everybody in the world is. You know what? I was going to pray. But we need to do that. I've talked about enough, enough of that foolishness. We need to bless His name this morning. Because you are the life, the truth, and the way. Tell Him before we go. You are the
God, that you would direct everybody's steps, that we would be hungry for holiness and righteousness. God, I don't want some kind of analyst to influence me. I don't want some kind of person that has a lot of experience to influence me. I, I, I don't want to take the pulse of my community or my nation to see how I should feel. God, I want to be a student. I want to be a soldier. I want to be a warrior. I want to walk in your word. And God, whether it's popular or everybody hates it, help me to walk by the Spirit and discern what thus saith the Lord. And you know, before you leave, I feel in my heart to quote what we read the last seven letters uh, or the last seven weeks what it said at the end of each letter. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And all God's people said, Amen. Give the Lord a great big hand.